The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, this is episode 364, and I'm here with Chris Holland. Chris, how's it going? It's going great, man. And later we will have, uh, you know what, I just said the wrong episode. So look, it's actually episode 365, so correction there. I'm just going to keep recording that. I'm not going to edit that. You ruined my day by getting the wrong <laughs> episode, by the way. So. Um but uh, Dr. Dan Doriani will be with us again in just a bit. And then later, um, I know we'll have some youth workers with us talking about youth ministry FAQs, so stay tuned for that. But right now I'm here with Chris talking about um, an essential book for youth ministry. Um, so, Chris, uh, what is an essential book for youth ministry? And mm. I, I should say, I know the last two episodes I didn't say, beside the Bible. What we've said that early on, but I just well, want to reiterate be that. Top because three for me, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. so what, what, what's your essential book, Chris? You know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about personal development or like, I, really, I would say like um, Guarding Thyself, uh, Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ashe has been one of those that I read every year yeah. and I give to people that are in ministry when they're starting new ministry jobs and just say, look, you need to depend on the sufficiency of Christ to be effective in your job and in your calling more than you need to be um, dependent and confident on your own skills and giftings. I think Christopher Ash, what he does is he makes it a safe place to be able to say, I do not have it all together and I cannot do everything. And he just confesses his own burnout and his own story in a really eloquent, humble, kind, generous way. And and he makes it safe for us in ministry to be able to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Mm-hmm. you know. And where Charles Spurgeon would say there's a difference in being weary in the ministry versus being weary of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Christopher Ashe modernize, modernizes it a little bit to help you kind of discern, am I burning out? Am I weary of it? Mm-hmm. Like I want to be out of it? I'm weary in it. I'm just tired, and I've been carrying a lot of burdens with kids and, and families. You know, and so he just does a really effective job in that. The other one I'm going to say, this is an obscure one. I know you only asked for one, but I'm going to give you two. <laughs> Do it. You Free little nugget for you. There, um, but an obscure one that I think everyone should check out is Lions Were Born to Roar uh, by Phil Harden. And Phil's my, my counselor, my personal counselor uh, for many years, but he wrote this book to try to help men discern uh, how God has made them and what, uh, how God um, has ordained for them to function in family, to function in life, in church, in job, and with other men. Mm. And I've just, we did this, this single book. It's a very, very small, thin book. And it gives you four categories of different uh, personality types that you can kind of associate uh, with. But it also gives you uh, uh, chapters and paragraphs within the chapter that say, how do you live with this type of person? If you're this type of person, how do you acknowledge your faults and your successes? How do you acknowledge how God made you? And how do you move towards being a lion, which is Christ? He's the Christ figure there. And uh, we did that with our youth this last year with our high school guys. We literally took it paragraph by paragraph. 
Like it's smaller than uh, the RYM books, you know, the track series. The track series. But we took it paragraph by paragraph, and every week was like a different paragraph that we just dug into. I mean, it was normal, just normal place for our guys to cry together and say, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z with my friends. I'm really struggling with my identity. I'm really struggling. And it just made for a really safe place for them to be able to do that. And I think Phil's book does that for young men Hmm. extremely well, and I highly recommend it to to youth pastors to read. Well, yeah, thanks for that recommendation. I have not heard of that so yeah definitely one to check out but jumping back to um zeal without burnout i can remember years ago we, we gave that out at at yot and just you know a few things about it i mean one is it's a really short book and so for those you know out there who have not read it i mean you know if you're struggling with burnout it's nice to be able to pick up something very small that you can just kind of chew on but then yeah. one thing he said is that you know we are but dust and so kind of i, I remember just kind of embracing that as like <laughs> we're weak and it's okay to admit we're weak and that we are dust we will we were formed out of the dust we will return to dust and that we're going to feel that weariness in ministry and so yeah that's that's a book i've read years ago and it's one i do want to pick back up and and read again so i'm glad you're you're highlighting that um chris those were helpful thank you for for those recommendations right now here's dr dan doriani We are back with uh, Dan Doriani and Greg Meyer uh, talking more about rest and work. And uh, last week, I know, Dan, you were talking a little bit about um, just, the, you know, the, the rest and work balance of, you know, six days work, one rest and beginning uh, with a day of rest as, as believers. Um, I'd love for you to talk just kind of common misunderstandings about work kind of within the church as well as common misunderstandings of rest. Again, just kind of within the church. Yeah, sure. That's a great question. First of all, you know, we can be very careful about the concept of rest-work balance because um, there's a time to be unbalanced, to be radical or extreme. Mm-hmm. So last week we were talking a little bit about the importance of binging at times. So when you're finishing a big project, whether it's in my case, a book or, a, you know, a new lecture that I have to give or have the privilege of giving, or maybe somebody's trying to finish up um a building project, you know, somebody's involved in the construction trade or architecture. When it comes time, you may have to put in, and it may be absolutely right to put in several 12, 13, 14 hour days in a row. And then after that, take a break and maybe take a couple of days off uh, to catch up and to recharge. Um, it's been shown that some of the most effective people uh, often feel lazy because they put in this extraordinarily concentrated, dedicated um, labor, which is either taxing physically or mentally. And, that, and they're kind of, then they're exhausted. I mean, the brain gets tired too. As chess players, for example, no, there's no physical labor, but they get exhausted from the mental energy. And, and so you need to recharge. Now, we understand the main way to recharge is six plus one or one plus six, a day of rest, but there are other ways too. So, you know, one way to keep yourself sane when you're tired in the middle of the day is, um, you know, walk around a little bit. Don't, if you're not solving your problem while you're at your desk, walk around the building a little bit, or, you know, make some phone calls that you had to make or, or stop and read something so that you are breaking up the work. There's more than one way to break up the work. That's my point when I say, mm-hmm. Let's think about rest, work, balance. Um, 
Maybe I'll pause there. I could say more about misunderstandings about rest in the church, but see if either you or Greg wants to follow up on that or comment yourselves. Well, I'll just say this, and then Greg, I can tell you want to say something to it. I think that's just great to hear that. Um, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, there's so much guilt and shame associated with the way that we work and the way that we rest. And so for people to hear, hey, look, it's okay in the middle of the day if you're feeling fatigue just to to get up and walk around and not think, well, hey, I'm not doing this excellently, so um, you know, I need to feel guilty. That was kind of a shot at Greg just then. I was kidding, Greg, from last week. Greg, please, please jump in as well. Um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a, maybe a, a short story about about kind of related to this. We we were um, one of our Sunday school classes for our high schoolers. They were talking about Sabbath recently and, and rest, and they uh, I was told by the the two teachers that a debate broke out between the students about you know whether the Sabbath was legitimate or not. You know, after Christ has come, and it was interesting that the two of the students who were in in favor of the Sabbath not applying anymore were the two that probably go the hardest um, in, in school and in life. Um, wonderful kids, um, but it's just a fascinating illustration of um, we we have a lot of different views and and don't know quite what to think about this balance of work and rest. And, and you know, there's time for extremity for binging, but that pattern. And so, you know, I, maybe a question there, uh, Dan, would be how do we how do how do we enter into these conversations with students um, and then you know those who are kind of forming their what they think about work or what they want to go do how, how do we help them think through um, the balance of work and rest as a high schooler but then as they are looking ahead uh, to to different phases of their life where they're not as much students but but working um, and more jobs proper i suppose yeah there's a sense in which the most important point is we're not machines and we live in an age of efficiency and so much is done by clocks. And again, you know, in, in biblical times, there was sort of morning and, and midday and afternoon and evening. <laughs> that was kind of it. The, the Romans had about eight segments a day of three hours each. So um, we're kind of pushed by the clock and by deadlines and so forth. And we have to recognize that's a cultural value, not a biblical value. So that's, that's uh, one point for people who work uh, very, very hard. The other thing is, if we're not machines, of course, it's fine. So some of the things I do when I get stuck at work include call up a friend. And it might have something to do with work a little bit, but call up a friend. I also, wonder, I also do things like um, stretching exercises or pull-ups and push-ups. Or if I'm working at home, I may go pull weeds in my garden for four minutes or, you know, anything, or I might mow the grass back to that again, you know, in the middle of the day, because I'm stuck, I'm getting nowhere. And mowing the grass, my mind comes clear. And, and then you can work more effectively, because we're, we're just not machines, uh, the way uh, we're sometimes pushed to be in our culture. So I would say to kids, you know, think through the idea that you're humans, not machines, think through the way you look at time. And resist those cultural pressures to say, be productive, be productive all the time. It's good to be productive, there's no doubt, but to be ceaselessly productive is probably a long ways from biblical concept. Uh, you know, we're relational, familial beings, we have friendships, and so on. And that, of course, is what allows, just to go to your other question you're asking, John, about uh, misconceptions in the church. When I was a kid, I'll do it this way, the idea was, you're at church, or you're taking a nap. And, you know, 
that was not something I looked forward to. And I hated Sundays, if it, especially when we had, I love my relatives, but if relatives are around and it was like church or resting and napping, it's like, this is horrible. I, I hate Sundays. And I'm, you know, I was a hyper energetic kid and, and I'm probably still a little bit on the hyper energetic side. And so I believe that, for example, uh, the Lord's Day, I don't do competitive sports on Sunday. I would, I'm not in leagues on Sunday, but, you know, to ride a bike or go for a run or to, you know, shoot, shoot basketball or play tennis with friends in a casual sort of friendly, casual, non, non for blood format. <laughs> um, I find that to be very restful. And of course, time spent with family and friends and, you know, kindness to people, maybe in your neighborhood or helping your family or friends out. Oh, those are all restful. You don't have to be sleeping or mm -hmm. idle or, or, or sitting in a religious worship service, which we should do every Sunday, certainly, or in some kind of a spiritual meeting in order to have a day of rest. Mm, that, that, that's helpful, Greg. So this is kind of maybe a question thinking about students, but also their parents kind of shepherding them through the process. But, you know, a lot of it, what it comes down to in terms of work and rest are discernment and wisdom issues. And, and one thing that I've, I've noticed a lot is this is increasingly happening is a coach, a teacher, whoever's in charge of whatever club, everybody is asking complete devotion of a student. Like right. you have to be at all these things or you don't play. Right. You have to be at every practice or you're not going to be in the show. Mm -hmm. And everybody's doing that because they know that if they don't, they won't get the kids to participate on the level they want. Right. But as a kid, you're having to make decisions. And as a parent, you're also having to make decisions. You know, what is my kid going to give? Their, what are we going to give our time to? And when are we going to rest? And how are we going to right. do this? So you have three kids in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Principles for discernment and wisdom for students and for parents dealing with that. Right. So I would say, first of all, if you're a parent, you need to push back on that consistently and maybe hard. And of course, you know, the Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So you might ask the question, okay, who else is going to be on this team, whatever the team is, it could be, you know, a band or it could be a soccer team, whatever, who else is on this team, and we're going to push back together. And if you have, you know, let's say the team has 17 people on it, and if six of them say we're not on this team, unless we can have some sanity, and some scheduling freedom to do things like you know, celebrate family birthdays, you know, grandma's coming to town. If grandma comes to town, it's her birthday. Or if our, you know, our favorite uncle is coming to town, or you name it, or our other sibling is having a major event, we're not coming to practice, we're just not going to do that. And if you want the team to blow up, that's fine. But let's how about a rule that we can miss three practices, whatever the rule is, and just push push back and say, look, we're going to be loyal to this enterprise, we believe in it. But we have other priorities. And I'm sorry, you're just not our chief priority. We love you and you're not number one in our life. By the way, you know that anyway, right? Nobody thinks the soccer team for third graders is anybody's first priority. So just be open about it and be realistic. Um, and, and uh, you know, you have to be willing to, to miss some things sometimes. But I think it's a it's wise in our family. Our kids were very active, but we only let them be in one sport per season and only two serious sports per year. It also prevented burnout 
for them and for us. And so you choose what you want to do. And then you also have room for other things, including family time and relationships and, and other activities that aren't as intense. So, you know, non-team oriented uh, activities or, or non-leagueish rule governed activities that are nonetheless very, you know, beautiful and, and life-giving. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned a few things about um, what rest could be, you know, it's not just go to worship and nap the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about more creatively about rest, I, I, I'll just make a confession. I, I struggle with that. And I, um, I get anxious sometimes when it's, mm-hmm. I have opportunity to rest. I don't know what to do with that time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm not alone in that. So maybe there's, maybe you have some suggestions or tips of how do you, how do you engage with that, that a kind of rest anxiety um, mm-hmm. and just what are some categories you'd be thinking about in terms of how to spend that time? Yeah, I'm I'm so bad at resting that I've decided the thing to do is to schedule my day so that I can't work mm. on my day of rest. My day of rest is actually, since I'm preaching now and I've been a pastor many years, my day of rest when I'm a pastor preaching is Friday night at five, Friday at five till Saturday at seven. I give myself 26 hours. I'm quite the slacker, right? <laughs> so that's my day. And then Friday night, we always are together with friends or almost always, or maybe it's a time together with my wife, uh, Debbie. Saturday morning, I watch my grandchildren. Saturday in the day, almost invariably play tennis for a while and usually do some kind of lightweight yard work. And it's not really work, you know, it's not like I'm excavating paving stones, but, you know, putter around the yard and just read things I want to read. Um, and take a nap probably, and, you know, then have a relaxed supper as well. So I schedule myself out of trouble. I, I put stuff in the day and I won't say I never check my, um, email, but I don't, I sure don't check it much compared to other days. And I, I don't look at my cell phone for text messages, you know, maybe once every six hours to make sure something huge hasn't happened that I've missed. But those are my activities. Some people, of course, as you know, turn their phones off for and, and their computers off. And I think that would probably make sense for people who need it, who need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, John, and look at- John, isn't, that what, isn't that what you do, John? Like you, you're, pretty, you're pretty ruthless <laughs> with the screens. <laughs> well, I have been at times for sure. And, and definitely, yeah, try to, to have those days to get away from it. I know there was a time, I mean, when I was on staff at a church, Friday was my day off. And usually Thursday, I would let my phone die and um, just not not charge it. Um, Friday, let it <laughs> let it just be dead. Um, and it was extremely freeing. Um uh, for sure. And, and I'd love to, I know we're about to, to draw this to a close, but kind of staying on this rest as well. And I know you're kind of getting into some of this, but I know the fear for some people is, okay, well, you know, I'm being lazy, you know, if I'm not doing something all the time. And so maybe just give us some thoughts of kind of rest versus laziness. And when, when does rest become laziness? Some of this might be obvious, but um, just some guidance there would be helpful. So I think the first point is that we can rest because God doesn't. Um, the Lord of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He gives to us in our sleep. A couple Psalms I'm quoting here. So we can go to bed at night and not think the world will fall apart while we're asleep. That's sort of one basic principle. We all know that we've gone to bed at night 
with a problem and it's been solved by morning. You know, you have the answer to it or somebody did something by the time you get back to it again at 10 a.m. Uh, laziness, of course, is when you do things like fail in fundamental duties. For example, the slugger does not bring in the harvest. The slugger does not plan ahead. And it can be, I'll say, I don't know if it's laziness, but there are times, you know, when the disciples fell asleep in the garden of Gethsemane, that was culpable too. I mean, there's a time when you'd like to rest and you really shouldn't. So we don't want to deny that there's a, a time to press on when the most logical thing would be to fall asleep. And I wouldn't call it laziness, but it's a failure of duty when you need to keep on going and don't press on despite your tiredness. So I'd say the basic definition of laziness is um, failure and fundamental duties, you know, providing food, clothing, shelter, healthcare, education, whatever your job is, and violation of either explicit or implicit promises. That is to say, I will do this by this time. You can count on me for this. Not because of some huge obstacle that arose, like the power went out, because you just didn't get around to it. I'll say one other thing, and that is, so I just got over long COVID fatigue a few weeks, like three weeks. I had it for 15 weeks, and I just got over it. And there are times, it just was a good reminder to me that some people get sick, and you can't keep on going. And some tasks don't get accomplished because you're not able. And we have to admit that we're human beings. We live in a disease-smitten world. And Sometimes we fail to get things done. It's not laziness, we're sick. And uh, in other ways, incapacitated. We have to give ourselves a break on that. Hmm. That's, yeah, very helpful. Um, thank you for that uh, perspective. Uh, Greg, Dan, enjoying this. Looking forward to talking more next week. Good to be with you, John. Once again, I'm here with Tree, Lynn, and Chris, and we're in Colorado, our final day of the conference. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, still raining outside, uh, probably. Uh, so Chris and Tree are hiding from their students. Lynn and I don't have students here, so um, we don't have an excuse. Uh, but we're going to get into, I think, some frequently asked questions or just some generic questions to talk about. Um, and one of the questions that the the podcast team came up with is a youth ministry pro tip um and i don't know what, what classifies a pro tip just when you've been doing something long enough and you've kind of learned wisdom from that and that's a tip you would share is that how you guys would define pro tip okay everybody's nodding um tree you said you think you have a pro tip you'd oh, like I, to share i have this. one uh my pro tip is to not take yourself too seriously uh i learned that pretty early on at the church uh i'm at currently uh, so I've made lots of mistakes in ministry and some places have been not so gracious. Some places have been super gracious. Uh, but one of the mistakes I made when I first started at Westminster was first time I'm up there serving communion. Uh, the words we are saved by works and not by grace come out of my mouth. <laughs> and I didn't realize it. And I just kind of kept going. And the church was very gracious about it because they knew what I was saying. But the youth have been hounding me for years over it. And I used to like get really offended by it, but I've ha I've kind of just had to learn to just roll with it. Like, I, I can't take myself that seriously that when I say something, and looking back, it's actually pretty funny that I, I would say that as a Presbyterian ordained <laughs> minister. Uh, 
but not Her- taking myself. Heresy is so funny. Yeah, yeah, her- yeah heresy is <laughs> just hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but no longer getting offended by them making fun of, fun of me for it, and actually, like, yeah, yeah, I said that. Yeah, it was that was that was wrong, and it was, but it was pretty funny yeah. that I would say that. So, uh, not taking yourself too seriously, being able to be lighthearted about your own mistakes, I think, is is key. Yeah, I know that's so good. And thinking last week, even Kurt talking about um, not trying to be cool or be something else. I mean, our students need to see us fail. They need to to see that we're weak, we're we're human, we're broken, and to just yeah own that and laugh about it. And because uh, you're instructing them from that, yeah. so yeah. I think it also is it helps our students understand how to wrestle with their own shame too. Because I'm pretty good at going into my shame hole. It's pretty deep and very thin. And I can kind of just squeeze it and hide out there. And being able to, like, get myself out of that can help them understand, like, you don't have to be so ashamed of every little thing that you do. So, What do you think are symptoms that you're taking yourself too seriously in youth ministry? <sighs> What's something that s- we can pay attention to of ourselves? Yeah, I think if, if, it, if you're constantly thinking about a single mistake. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, I think that's been a, a problem in my past. Uh, so I think if, if you're constantly dwelling on it, if you're like always asking everyone else around you, like, oh, wh- wh- what did you think? Was, was that okay? I think sometimes we just need to take a deep breath and realize that Jesus loves us. Our students love us. Mo- most of our students love us. Uh, most of the parents love us. Uh, but most importantly, Jesus loves us. And, and there's nothing that can take that away. And that's that's our foundation. That's That's what we rest in. And from there, we can do our work. That's, yeah, that's really good, Tree. Um, a, a pro tip that I just thought of as we're, we're sitting here, and, and Chris, I know you, you do um, something similar to this, but um, and it, it deals with taking a day off. Um, I mean, you don't have to be this precise in how you do it, but there was a while there where um, I would let my, my phone die and uh, for my day off. Like, I just want to charge it up. And uh, over at times, if it was my day off, I would just leave it in my car but, but I think just that concept of um, disappearing on your day off and not being available to students. Um, I know sometimes we think, okay, it's ministry. They, they, you know, need to be able to get in touch with me. But at the same time, we've got to be reminded, you know, <laughs> we're not omnipresent. We're not their savior. Uh, but we need to be unavailable for our students. And so through the years, it took me a while to learn that, but, but realizing that, um, like, I wasn't going to survive in ministry if I didn't get, um, you know, extreme in the ways that I just tried to disappear for, for at least a day, you know, um, having that, that day off. And again, I know it's different for everybody, especially in ministry. My day off was Friday, and so, you know, coming on Thursday, either leaving my phone in the car, letting it die. Um, but Chris, I know even, I think, on your voicemail on your phone, you, you kind of say your day off. So I don't know if you've got anything along with that that you'd like to add. I mean, I, so I got an Apple Watch so that I could get a separate phone number that only my wife has and my mom. So shout out to Mama. But <laughs> like, and I just turn my phone off altogether. And on my voicemail, it says, "Hey, if this is Thursday, I'm hanging out with my family. Call nine one one if it's an emergency or something." But because I just, I think early on in in ministry in general, my identity is inc- incredibly wrapped up in my work performance. You know, and I know that I'm not alone in it, but. It's easy to feel alone in that, but, and I just, I sacrificed my family through ministry. I tried to build the house of God with the family tree, and I don't think that pleases the Lord. And um, 
so taking that really seriously. I remember on the day that I left Fairhope to move to Tucson to go to another church, um, the when I told the church that I was leaving, um, and I, I tearfully, I loved that church very much, and they, they gave me a standing ovation that day, and I looked in the back, and my wife was sitting in the back with our kids, and she was the only one in the room sitting. And that's the moment I realized I sacrificed that woman for success. And that that really broke me. That really broke my heart. And I just, com- I, I ch- I just I wanted to commit to the reality that I, I have to sacrifice other things, not my wife and my marriage and my kids, to do uh, ministry. And God doesn't want me to sacrifice them. And that they are my largest ministry. And so moving to Tucson was a really big opportunity for me to, to be honest about that and confess that sin because it is sin and and uh, to take that day very seriously so I fight tooth and nail for that day and I won't do anything on that day at all except for hang out with them I date all my kids one-on-one for at least an hour every Thursday um, date Amanda every Thursday night have to and you just got to mm-hmm. it's a big deal so how do you guys go about choosing your day off mine's changed so much over the past couple years so I when I started at Westminster I I took Fridays off and then I found myself being at football games on Friday nights and I was like this isn't working all that well so I I started doing Thursdays and then that was going well for a while and then all of a sudden I found myself at volleyball games and soccer games and uh, eventually I I made my way to Mondays and I I just choose to just not go to sporting events on Mondays uh, and try to not do anything uh, youth r- or church related uh, on Mondays and just try and spend that time with my kids. But it, it's, it's, it was this progression where I had to like figure out what worked and I, I had to realize what wasn't working in order to get to something where it, I was actually using that day as, as a Sabbath. So I, I would, I'm curious as to how y'all go about choosing your days off. Well, even learning what is a Sabbath for me was a, a process of like what actually refills my soul, like what actually refills my spirit. Because f- for a little bit, I um, very similarly, like um, I just decided I'm not going to move my car for one day. Like I'm just not going to move my car because for me as a single, it was I just want to go and be and do all of the things because my identity wasn't how busy I was. And uh, part of what Chris was talking about, like hit me really hard, too, with my because I am or have been single in ministry, I felt like the expectation was that I went to more things because I had more time. So you can be more committed, so you need to be. I felt like that was the unspoken communication. So my pro tip is definitely to have boundaries and to realize like you can say no to things and it doesn't make you a bad leader, right? Like early on, especially as a female, again, like I got invited to so many of those jewelry parties or the dress parties at parents' house. And I was like, oh no, like if I say yes to one, I feel like I have to go to the next one and the one after that. So I just made a hard rule of like, actually I say no to all of these. So whenever it comes through, it's not like, oh, I went to hers, but I didn't go to yours. It's a, nope, I just don't go to anybody's. And that was a boundary I had to learn pretty early on. Um, but my my Sabbath has also flexed. And I, I, it doesn't, it seems to me that it would be more important that you have a Sabbath as opposed to it being the same time every week, right? Like it can flex with like, yeah, we're at camp or, you know, we're at the conference all week long. Like it's clearly not going to be Thursday. Like <laughs> Chris isn't going to lock himself up in his room and no, he, he will. wait to call his mom. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I locked him in a, I locked him in a closet this morning and he got out. So, so, <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's like finding out what works for your schedule. Cause I love going to sporting events. I think they're so much fun and it's such a great opportunity to meet other students. But I did have to tell myself Lynn, you get two evening things a week, like, cause it would be so easy for me to give it mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And, and maybe pro tip for our listeners, the, I mean, you talked about being single in ministry and how there's this unspoken expectation. I don't think that's secluded to, to just you. I think that's across the board that you're single and you have a lot more time. I, I don't think that's a healthy expectation that we need to have on our youth workers either. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from, uh, to the sessions that may be listening to this, to the parents, like single people need time alone too, and they need to be able to rest and, and your students' salvation does not depend on them being at every single event at, at every time. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, back to your question, Tree, of just kind of the, the day off. I, I mean, that was kind of what I inherited when I uh, came on the ministry. It was uh, Friday was the day off, and so I just started that. But I, I did see a lot of wisdom. Um, it was nice to be able to kind of even finish late sometimes on Thursday, knowing, okay, uh, Friday's my day off, and, and taking that day off, and then, still having Saturday where I would typically do a lot of yard work. And it was kind of like I'm easing back into, okay, the the rhythms and routines of ministry. And um, Lynn, going back to something you were saying as well, um, yeah, uh, youth retreats take place on Fridays. And so, okay, we knew as a staff, yeah, Friday we're not getting that day off. Uh, we would try to um, have everything ready for retreats where we could be home on Thursday but be on call. So it was kind of a day where we were kind of – taking some time away, but realizing, okay, if one of my staff members saw me call, I can answer the phone. It could be, you know, something we needed to address. But then um, having comp time that that Monday. Um, And I know sometimes youth workers can wrestle with that because there was some guilt there of if we went on a weekend retreat and we're like, okay, look, we're resting on Monday. We're taking some time off. We have the thought of, well, we've got volunteers who aren't getting rest and they're going you know back to work on monday but i kind of saw that as that's not their regular employment and so they were actually you know serving and getting some kind of rest from actually participating in a youth retreat on the weekend because it was different from what they were called to do during the week and so um anyway that was just kind of helpful to think of it in that way and i think it helped the staff rest as well it's also so hard to take a break from something you love doing, right? Like that's been so hard of, I love hanging out with students. I love retreats. I love going to sporting events, but I still have to take a break. It's not just taking a break from the things that are actually exhausting, like just like our paperwork or spreadsheets or whatever it is, emails. Like, but that, that was really hard for me to learn was like, I love my job so much. Like I would do it 24 seven. I would give my life to it. I would sacrifice um, my life to it, but realizing like, again like sabbath what is a good thing for us and it's good for us to model to our students and our other leaders of like you need to break from the things that you enjoy too because they can just as easily become an idol yeah take rest (laughs) that's all i've got for you (laughs) i mean we're in an industry where you are celebrated and given a raise when you don't take a sabbath you know and yet that is a primary commandment of our lord like (laughs) so you, you get championed when you sin in that like it's it's a very broken system um we're a very broken church but take an initiative to prioritize your relationship with god and recharge your faith is, is i mean it's vitally important i don't know how many i mean we, we've been in this business for a long time and, and like and how many times do you hear about people that go into ministry and they just burn themselves out and, they, and it's like hey what's your sabbath like bro what's your day off day off question mark and it's like Oh my goodness! 
I bet your whole life would change if you just took one day off and separated totally. Yeah. I think that goes back to the taking yourself too seriously thing. Like, oh yeah, we totally. we so often think like our ministries are going to crash and burn because we're not there for a day, and yeah. it's just that's just a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Did you want another pro tip? Go for it, yeah. Got, yeah. <laughs> it's like 38 minutes, but I know how you do this wonky Sorry. thing, so I don't really know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, something I think that has really, pl- like, really served me well is God has humbled me to realize I cannot do everything. I'm just not a Swiss Army knife as much as I'd like to be, is to hire slash recruit slash pray for um, your weaknesses being um, people to fill in for your weaknesses. I am not organized at all like I'm not and I want to be with people um, even as an introvert I want to be with p- people I want to be around I want to be boots on the ground I want to be praying with kids working with kids and working with families and all this stuff and so um, you know try to acknowledge who you are know thyself in that and don't act like you've got it all together and try to find people that will fill in the gaps for where you're short mm. and and then uh, untie their hands to do the work that God's called them to do and I think you'll be happy that you did. So. That that's a great pro tip because I can remember. And I, I don't know how how y'all were, but right when I started out in in youth ministry, um, there was that I guess just pride, but being territorial of hey, look, this is my ministry. I wanted to be able to do everything and be everything to the students, and you know it took years um, to just realize okay, look, I, I I cannot do this. And I mean I guess this is kind of getting back into to some of what I've already said of just realizing my own weaknesses and realizing I've got to have plenty of people around me to, to ha- have this ministry uh, last because yeah, I would not be able to, I would have burned out and um, I love how just the Lord humbled me through that. And then just through the years being able to celebrate other people coming into the ministry and realizing, you know, not every student is going to connect with my personality. I need so many different personalities in the ministry um, to reach out to those, those students. And so, yeah, that's, that's a good word, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're too often f- afraid to ask for help, and that's that, that's the complete opposite of what we should be doing. Like, we should be getting other people involved, the church involved. Uh, sometimes I get so rushed, like I'll get out our schedule for the next couple months, and I will forget to proofread it, or I'll forget to ask somebody to proofread it, and I send it out, and then I have to correct a mistake that I made on the, the stupid calendar. Uh, an example, like the other, uh, this last one I put out, my former intern who I'm doing her wedding in a couple weeks, she's like, you put something down on the night of my wedding. Are, are you <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. See, this is why you shouldn't have left, Emma, because you were, you were the one that uh, used to proofread for me. She, uh, she rescheduled her wedding, right? Yeah, yeah, if we could just reschedule that. Yeah. Uh, but being being able to, like, instead of, like, rushing to do things, to get to the things I want to do, taking the time, making sure it's done well, involving other people if needed, so that those types of things don't have to happen. Because I'm I'm not an organized person at all either. I'm I'm right there with you, Chris. Like it's it's not my strong suit. I'll do it because I have to, but uh, definitely something I need help with. But I'm I'm too often afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Mm. That, that's helpful. Um, so y'all look, what we're we're kind of wrapping this up. Uh, any other pro tips that come to mind? Anything, anything from you know teaching to interacting with parents. Um, anything else to add to the somebody who's peeking their head in. Um, it has been fun, y'all, while we're sitting here seeing people walk in and out of the room, and we're so professional, um, everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, I think uh, th- this, I guess it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think broadening your circle 
um, of assistance. Like when I moved to Tucson, I asked a bunch of these parents and people that cared about youth ministry. I said, will you be on my team that's don't let Chris do something stupid team? And you just tell me. I don't know Tucson. It's a weird culture. It's not the South. It's not what I grew up with. But just broadening the influence of who you allow to speak into your life is huge. And just acknowledging you just don't have it all together. And and having people that you can go to and say, how how did this work out? Like, my three-year anniversary is coming up in Tucson, and I've reached out to my search committee and said, hey, if we stayed true to kind of what your expectations were for me, let's get together in August on the three-year anniversary if y'all are available. And I want to feed you dinner and kind of talk about the next three years. Can we do that? And I want to hear what your feedback is and where we've gone, what we've done, and see where God's moving us in the future and, and just kind of see how that works out. And, um, you know, and it's just good to open yourself up humbly to that feedback. Mm-hmm. And I'm naturally a very arrogant, um, overly confident person. <laughs> we <were> very much <laughs> like, very much like Kurt. That's like why I'm I locked you very in the athletic, <laughs> but, um, but I'm still very arrogant. And you have to force yourself to open yourself up to those criticisms and, and to some degree. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, really good word. Um, and that's something, as you're saying, that I'm thinking of my, my youth committee. And that, that was something I hated when I started uh, in youth ministry. And the older I got, the more I saw wisdom in having, you know, youth committee. And, and really, you know, as you, and again, this would be an entire podcast. If we talk about how you staff a youth committee and all those kinds of things. But Having those people that you trusted, that you knew were your allies, and that they, they loved you, um, but they weren't afraid to critique you and to challenge you and, and those things. So I think that's yeah, such a good word. Um, Tree, Lynn, Chris, it's fun having these conversations. Those who are listening, I hope these are helpful to you, um, and hopefully we'll have many more. Hope you guys have a good day. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay.